Today we have Stephen Stewart with us to give us an update on forest protection efforts. Stephen is Hoosier National Forest Program Director for Indiana Forest Alliance, or IFA, a nonprofit storing Indiana's native hardwood forest ecosystem and also has programs to protect urban forests. They also monitor biodiversity, doing an EcoBlitz forest census. May they monitor water quality of the Blue River to protect eastern hellbender salamanders from having their young smothered by sediment runoff from logging. And they monitor the presence of endangered species and advocate for the protection of their habitats. After much persistent pressure from grassroots activists, many uh, letters and calls of support, Senator Mike Braun and the USDA have committed to a new forest plan for the Hoosier, Hoosier National Forest. Uh, the Forest Service has also agreed to reopen the comment period, if but only for the duration of a public meeting uh, regarding the Buffalo Springs plan. And that's going to be April 3rd at the Orange County Community Building in Paoli, Indiana. Thank you for joining us today, Stephen. Oh, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As I understand it, this uh, reopening of the comment period is basically for the duration of this one meeting. It isn't like a process that's opened up for a month for public comment as it, as it had been previously. No, as part of the NEPA process, you know, they had their, they had their, they released the draft environmental assessment right at Thanksgiving time this last year. And you had 30 days to comment uh, for the, to be put on the official record. And in order for you to be heard uh, in future uh, stages of the process, you know, that's a very busy time, the busiest time of the year for most folks. So we have been petitioning and negotiations and talking for a long time. And, and Senator Braun has, has has assisted us in that effort. Earlier in July of last year, he had uh, got the hierarchy uh, of the, a lot of the leaders of the U.S. United, Sports, United States Sports Service, as well as uh, Undersecretary Homer Wilkes. Uh, to join us in uh, Orange County uh, to answer questions about the project. And they had made some promises there, and we went for a long time where nothing was heard back from them, uh, and they never acknowledged that meeting. So Senator Braun, at our urging, went back to Wilkes, uh, and he finally has agreed to meet in Orange County, the general public. And they have slated that day for April 3rd, where any comments made during that session will be made on the public record, which is which is good and what needs to be done. However, we're struggling at this point to get a time. They've proposed one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. And if you, the whole purpose of this meeting is to get the public out, not to get a certain you know official uh, of, of some importance down there to Orange County. Uh, but we just there's a, a outpouring of opinion in the community and abroad for you know against the project as it stands it's just not been studied thoroughly it needs an environmental impact statement done which is a much thorough process than the draft environmental assessment was which might take two to four years because this project as it stands the buffalo springs proposal is going to have significant impact on, on a wide variety of natural and cultural resources so we're, we're working diligently to get that time set in the evening time so that the majority of the public can attend. Community building there in Orange County holds 400. So, you know, there, there should be room for folks. And we really want to uh, get a get the word out as, as soon as we get that time so that we, we can fill the capacity and, and get everybody out there because it's everybody's forest, the public forest. And so the, each person has a right and a say uh, of how it's managed and how, and how we use that forest uh, going into the future. 
And is this the controlled burn scenario and the coin term Buffalo Springs, which was really invented for this project, right? Around Buffalo Trace? That's correct. They took a uh, two local names. Uh, the Buffalo Trace is a historical pathway, uh, you know, 12,000 years plus that was used uh, through the heart of Orange County, went from the falls of the Ohio to Vincennes. A lot of historical landmarks along that trail and events have happened throughout time. Uh, and it goes right through this project area. So they took the buffalo from that, and then they combined that with Springs Valley, which is the French Lick West Baden area, uh, and uh, renamed the area Buffalo Springs. Uh, it's a 30,000-acre uh, area within uh, the Hoosier National Forest there in Orange and Crawford County, uh, just barely into the northern part of Crawford County. Um, and they're proposing a forest management of yeah, prescribed burns, over 15,000 acres of that, uh, and over 5,700 acres of uh, different types of civil culture or timbering uh, activity. Um, however, you know, there, there are things that need to be taken into perspective is that uh, the cleanest water supply, municipal water supply in the state of Indiana is, is Potoka Lake. Uh, and three quarters of this project area, the Buffalo Springs proposed project area, is right in the Potoka River Basin. Uh, and it's a very rugged terrain uh, through this area with a, an exorbitant amount of karst features uh, and natural springs. Um, and they're on very high slope, uh, a very high degree of slope. And so uh, much like the South Houston project that they are proposing uh, around the Lake Monroe area as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, IFA has been studying the water quality up there. But when you uh, burn uh, in and right now is the season that they do it. They're burning in uh, the early March and April. And of course, what that's always the rainy season, right? So if, if they burn all of the stuff and all of the, 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 the top layer off on these hillsides around these karst features and these water springs, what's happening is if you have a, a rainy event after that, it, it's the particulates, it, it's just eroding the landscape into this water which then uh, contaminates uh, the, the public water source. Um, the more contaminants they get into it, the more uh, area for bacteria to grow. Um, and, and, in, and in essence, it poisons the springs. So um, it's very critical that, that these be looked at, you know, uh, in a much closer fashion and, and measured to get a baseline reading and then, you know, do some other test areas that aren't as critical um, and see what the effects are. Um, and, and they just don't have that data. Um, they, and overall, generally, they don't have a lot of ground truth, we call it, uh, of the specific ecosystem and the relationship of what's going on in the Buffalo Springs area, this 30,000 acres. Uh, they just don't, do not have enough data on it uh, to impose a project of this scope and this large uh, aggressive activities of the silviculture uh, and, and the prescribed burning and the chemical treatment um, that is currently proposed for this area. Um, it's going to have a significant effect on a wide range of, of things, and, and that needs to be looked into in a much more thorough and in-depth fashion. Yeah, I understand their ostensible stated goal is to uh, recover oak and hickory, and they say that the canopy uh, shades out new trees and that they need to open it up, and they you know, say that that's also better for birds and things. And of course, people uh, know of the Native Americans doing, uh, you know, controlled burning situations and how that 
was, you know, in a pretty good balance and a way to stave off large disasters. So they make it sound pretty good to the average person in the public. Uh, but you say they haven't really done proper environmental impact uh, assessments. That's correct. Um, they, there's um, if you go to um, uh, down in the area, they their clear cutting is going to be doing for the the non-native pines that were planted there by the Forest Service uh, from the 30s through the 70s, uh, and they're not invasive, but they're going to cut those. And they say that they're they're clear cutting that area entirely. Uh, what's interesting is, is we've taken a drone and gone over in the winter season when the leaves are off, and remarkably, what you see from those drone images is hardwood regeneration all through the pine stands. Um, and I was recently in the Shawnee National Forest in southern Illinois, and we visited two sites uh, that were clear-cut, that were pine, um, for oak hickory regeneration, uh, to let the sunshine in initiative is what they call it. Uh, and indeed, you go there now and there are two predominant species in those clear-cut areas from 20 years ago. And remarkably, here's what they are. They're not oak and hickory regeneration. They're not hardwood regeneration. You've got multiflora rose and pines. They came right back. Uh, and there's there these two sites that we went to are not the only sites that show this. Um, they are everywhere. Um, so that there's no planting involved. Uh, they simply say that they, the, the squirrels, they say they're very busy critters and they will be bringing the, the oak into the acorns into these areas. But uh, time and time and time again, we go to areas where this treatment has been applied and that's not happening. And so are you for some form of a compromise or just want, uh, want it to be uh, left alone? Oh, uh, well, there are some, uh, you know, public component, pub, public advocates of, of not one tree, not one inch. Um, but to be honest, I mean, uh, there, there are, uh, there's a variety of end results that can happen uh, because we do understand the United States uh, Forest Service is a multi-use agency. So they, they, you know, part of their mission, their department, department of Agriculture, is to have a commodity, a need for wood products, and that is understood. But their, the size of what they're doing, the amount of study they're putting into it, and uh, the area where it's at is just bad timing, bad placement, and they really need to look at it much more thoroughly and look at other areas. Um, we're at, we have, we have proposed four different. Uh, alternatives and submitted those as part of what we call the citizens preferred alternative to the Forest Service because part of the NEPA process is they're supposed to uh, look at a range, a range, which is more than one alternative to their initial proposal. And the only uh, alternative that they considered was a no action proposal. So it was either all or none. And that, but uh, complicated ecosystems, you know, as the forest in, in Southern Indiana and the Hoosier National Forest are with a wide range of cultural resources, wide range of uh, natural resources that we have endangered species in the area uh, with the, the water, the, the quality of the water issues. Um, it's just, they need to look at them much more thoroughly uh, and provide more alternatives. Uh, what's it going to, how's it going to affect the local economy? Um, they did a two-page analysis 
of uh, an economic review for the project in their draft environmental assessment out of over 600 plus pages of documentation studies for it, and only two were done from a fiduciary financial aspect. Um, and that is, that's considerably not thorough enough. Um, so primarily we are in our citizen preferred alternative uh, looking at alternatives that really uh, look at preservation, look at look at climate uh, control uh, with carbon sequestration, uh, and look at recreation possibilities and and the connection to the local to the local uh, economy. Um, things that were not addressed in the forest disturbance plan, um, and so uh, we just need to start those negotiations and talking, and they need to you know more analyze in a much more thorough, in depth way um, a, a variety of uses. For that their their multi use rather than simply strictly looking at uh, civil culture uh, and um, and prescribed burning, uh, you know from the analysis the economic analysis that we are we put together uh, with our team and and are permitting to them, it's showing that a ROI return on investment is is astronomically greater, uh, exponentially greater, uh, focusing on recreation and preservation versus the current. Uh, silviculture and prescribed burning alternative that they are proposing. And so there is some financial incentive for a, a board feed of timber. Uh, does the, Ford's, the Forest Service sells that? Is that right? There is. Uh, they do keep the money from that. The interesting thing is, though, is actually that they that oftentimes the silvicultural operations uh, you look back at the records from previous activities in Region 9, which is the broader region that the Hoosier is part of, they, they're losing money on that. Um, and it's actually costing them more than it is. And, and they do, uh, typically they um, uh, uh, contract that out uh, to various other independent companies rather than uh, themselves doing the timbering operation. Uh, but where the financial incentive we're seeing is, is that uh, you know, fires, wildfires have been, you know, a very large plague uh, in the out in the in the western states of America, and you know it's a very big concern. Communities and families uh, and infrastructure is being threatened, um, and with the with the, the global warming that we're experiencing and the drier the drought conditions, um, the fires have been more intense, more destructive, uh, and so the United States government has recognized. That there's a need for fire suppression, um, and so they they part of the uh, determination for a specific national forest getting their funding from the government is on how many acres of fire use they're doing for their area. The problem is with that is that um, we are not the same type of forest that are experiencing these fire dangers. Um, the Indiana is just not prone uh, to wildfires uh, at, the, at, at the level and the, the extreme size of out west, but just not in general. Uh, it's not to say that it can't happen, but it's, 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 a, it's a wet, uh, much more, um, doesn't have a lot of fire adapted species here. It's just not uh, in this area. So, but, and, but the government is sending money out um, for one standard fire suppression, but yet it for all these different ecosystems for the whole continental United States, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Uh, you need to look at the individual area and what fits best for it. 
uh, and fire is just not something that need that our forest in Indiana need. And um, I don't know if you know how the smaller percentage of the forest cover is left that used to be across the state. But I mean, we're down to a pretty dwindled percentage of original forest cover. Um, they're talking about the oak and the hickory being fire resistant species. But uh, it, it, it does seem that when they go into these situations, it looks pretty clear cut. It doesn't look like, oh, they're just going in and taking out certain species. Uh, I mean, and, and no, and they tell you that, a clear, obvious way that that could be done if they're continually there, continually observing. But I don't know if that happens in the pattern of come and cut it and, and you know, some cycle of return, whether they're really observing each individual area and really getting into that kind of nitty gritty when it actually comes down to it. And that's the thing, too, you know, um, they, they uh, uh, you know, they have a staff that needs to be monitoring. Uh, they need to be in the forest. They need to be uh, using test strips of land uh, for their different activities. And, and they're just not actively doing that in the state of Indiana and the Hoosier. Um, and so it, it's it's like you said, we've lost so much of our original forested landscape, um, you know, such a high percentage. Now, we are gradually uh, in the last 10, 15 years, it has been growing and getting larger. Uh, but, you know, the private sector is the primary part of you know, land-based forest in, in the state. Uh, and you cannot, you know, we don't, you don't tell private landowners you can't cut your timber. Uh, you, you know, you can't clear your land for farming or, or for uh, for corporations to come in. And, you know, there's always, you know, uh, development is going on. But your public forest you know, in its state, it's such a small amount. It's three uh, uh, under three hundred thousand acres in the Hoosier National Forest. Um, you know, that's that's just a small bit of the forest, but it needs to be preserved. And if you go in, you can't control the private land being cut. So then we're allowing that's being allowed to be cut. Then you go into the public forest. That number of forests is just gradually getting lower and lower and lower. And we hear every day in in the news media. Across the world, it's an, it, it's a global issue, uh, and in order to count counteract the changes that are happening uh, within our lifetime, uh, we need to uh, forest retention is one of the greatest uh, uh, tools uh, to fight uh, this change, uh, and you have to do that on a landscape model scale, a very large scale. Um, so rather than and then cutting down what little forest is left that's been preserved. We need to preserve that, um, and that, that's the general uh, general opinion, at least. Uh, and, and you know, and and it's based in in a lot of sound science. Uh, and right now, that that's just not happening. The public forest, um, it's not just happening in the Hoosier. It's not just happening in the Shawnee, but it's system wide. Um, we have analyzed the rates of how much they harvest uh, historically uh, every year of their uh, that the Forest Service does. And if you look at it on it on the rotational basis that they are uh, proposing with the current projects they have on a hundred year, if you take that out to a hundred years thing, they are actually cutting the forest down completely, every bit of it on a hundred year rotation. So in small bits. So what you'll have is all these even age stands that are cut every ten years uh, to to where uh, 
um, it's not, it, it's a, being managed as a crop. It's not being managed as a natural resource that is critical, uh, you know, to the environment and to our ecological concerns that we're facing today. And do you think that the departments are well-funded enough to properly monitor and manage manage these uh, national and state forests? So interestingly, um, I, I you know I, I have observed uh, the last four to five years uh, the employee uh, how many employees are at the Forest Service. So when they were planning this project and they put it out, um, they were having to close their doors. Uh, they're still having to close their doors many days of the week, and they're not even doing a full eight hours uh, Monday through Friday. Um, and uh, they right at for planning the project, which which to me would have seemed the most critical time where you need that staff in the field, uh, you know, measuring the necessary impacts that this this study could have, this proposal could have. Uh, but it wasn't until they finished that proposal, put it out to the public, and started the NEPA process that they started hiring. Uh, and, and they're hiring burn specialists uh, and they're hiring silviculture uh, and uh, they're not hiring across the board in their other departments. Um, and so at this point, by not knowing exactly how many employees they have, but just looking at uh, how many hiring events they have and what they're hiring for uh, and what we're seeing with their hours being constantly cut for their uh, open door hours. No, I do not believe that they're probably uh, properly employed and staffed in order to handle a 20,000 acre project at the same time that the South Houston project is being planned to be implemented as well. And that and that's around 12,000 acres, uh, as well as the other earlier projects that have already went through the NEPA process that they're currently involved in, which is probably another four to 5,000 acres across the system. So, um, no, I do not believe they're properly, but, but that needs to be looked at and, and needs to be, prop, you know, do we have the manpower, the finances, the resources to handle a project of this size? Um, you know, when prior back in the 80s and 90s, the last time that there was a lot of active uh, forest management in the Hoosier, average projects were 500 acres, 400 acres. Uh, and, and now we've got the two largest projects ever, the South Houston at 12,000 acres and and 20,000 plus acres uh, of forest management activities now with the Buffalo Springs project. Um, so uh, we definitely feel that they're, they're biting off more than they can chew at this point. Um, and just need to take take a step back and really t uh, and analyze it, you know, in depthly uh, with science and, and with actual, uh, you know, primary readings that they go into the forest and, and take these studies uh, to know exactly what's happening in the in the ecosystem that they're they're planning to uh, affect. And I guess that could possibly also affect the uh, responsiveness and uh, relative transparency. Do you want to say anything about how uh, difficult it's been to communicate or whether you guys are kind of shut out or whether you feel that they've, you know, shortchanged the public on their ability to interact and even find out about it? Right. So um, they did issue their first press release in January of 2020. Uh, to the public asking for any information that people had on the area. Uh, then in October, or that was January 2021, in October of 2021, they put out the scoping notice. Uh, they had a 30-day comment period for that. Now, they were supposed to have taken the comments from that were received during that scope 
planning process uh, and then incorporate those into their plan uh, to adjust uh, and address these issues that were brought up during these comments. Uh, but when you look at the next step that came out, the environmental assessment, and you look at, they also released all of the comments uh, as well, and you look at them and they were not addressed. Uh, then we go and went, you know, I already mentioned that they they released the draft environmental assessment uh, right during the holiday season. So that was not, uh, but they've had two public events, general public events, and one was on a Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, till 2 a.m. till 2 p.m. in the Hoosier National Forest that they gave, um, they had five different specialists in the, in, in, the, in the woods and they answered questions and gave presentations. But again, Friday, middle of the work week. Uh, then they had an online meeting and I thought, great, we're gonna have an online meeting. So we, we went to the online meeting and it was, again, it was simply presentations. If you had any questions, you could submit your question by email uh, and they, you know, they might've had 50 questions, let's say. They only had time to address four to five uh, in that. Um, and that was recorded as well. So you can go back and look at it. No chance for rebuttal. Uh, in fact, there was no, the only people presenting at that meeting was the Forest Service. The public had no opportunity whatsoever to engage to uh, or interact uh, with these presentations and these questions that were, that were being answered. Um, and the, when we left the forest the last time with Mike Chavez, uh, Mike said, we will be not be having any more public meetings regarding the Buffalo Springs project. Um, and, and, you know, but, but yet, uh, we started up a Facebook group uh, in October of 2021 uh, to uh, open to get people out to answer questions, to uh, have a, a forum where they could. And we, we kept it a public group uh, on Facebook. We now have over 2,200 uh, members. Uh, we do not restrict uh, because of what your feelings are, whether you're all the way right, all the way left, somewhere in the middle. Uh, it, it's a completely open forum, uh, except for spam, you know, it is something that's obvious, we've gotten rid of it, but it is clearly showing that the, the public is interested, does want to know about the project, and unfortunately, a lot of people are coming forward daily that know nothing of the project, uh, you know, and, and if it wasn't for, in my opinion, if it wasn't for the grassroots effort, um, WTHI out of, out of uh, Indianapolis would not have done a long piece on it. You would not have had the majority of the news articles that have been put out if it would not have been for the grassroots effort. Um, and we're just looking for spreading the information so that people can have uh, this information to make a, uh, a um, well-informed decision. And the force, if we would have left that to the Forest Service, as in the past it was with the South Houston Project, um, it never would have happened. Uh, and uh, you know, agencies we submitted in October. So since we were having very little feedback from the Forest Service and very little public uh, activities. We uh, put submitted FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, nine. So what are your mechanisms to uh, affect this process? Where is it that the public can do it anything? What agencies are involved? And are you, do you think you're headed towards some kind of litigation? Well, uh, historically, uh, that any project that, uh, you know, they, they take public comment on, but in order for it to be changed, it's had to go all the way to the judicial system. Uh, unfortunately, that's been the president up to date. Uh, we would like to prevent that. Uh, but, you know, currently, 
um, they had take they had to take the South Houston project a couple of years ago to the court. Uh, they found um, in favor of the Forest Service on on three issues or four issues, uh, and one issue though in our favor that they had not properly looked at water quality effects uh, for Lake Monroe. And so, um, rather than the Forest Service going back then and doing studies, uh, IFA is doing studies, testing the water on a regular basis and sending them off to the lab to be analyzed. Um, they did not. They simply put out a supplemental information report and said. Well, we feel that we've done our due diligence in this and that we do have enough information about the water. Therefore, we're going to proceed with the project. Uh, so we have taken that currently to the second court of appeals, um, you know, to make them do the more drastic environmental assessment and get this raw data uh, to, to test what it's doing to the quality of the water for Lake Monroe. Um, so that's currently, uh, we're, we're looking for an injunction currently. Now we hope that we don't have to do that for the Buffalo Springs project. That's why you know we're we're hoping to get this dialogue, and the senator has helped us to do that by getting more public events like this one. Hopefully, that we'll have in the beginning of April, um, so that uh, so that um, they can actually properly analyze and look at uh, this project and, and thoroughly the way it should have been done at first. And hopefully, we can come they they can come up with an alternative to the project or change it and modify it in ways that are going to mitigate these drastic effects that it potentially could have as it stands now. Uh, and hopefully we won't have to go to court, but um, unfortunately there's not a precedent that shows that we will, uh, that we won't be able to. Um, but we, uh, as part of, you know, what Shawnee is actually looking at in there, because like I said, the different forces are facing the exact same issues is they're proposing this and it's a fabulous idea um, and it's needed is, is a national park and climate preserve. Uh, and so we had uh, two events the last two days here in Indi here in Bloomington uh, where uh, we're well attended uh, looking at possi po possible alternatives uh, to the forest management activities that are currently going on in our public forest uh, and, and to uh, possibly that the, the parks, the national park system. Uh, might consider uh, management of these areas. And there are other possible alternatives to a national monument for the and a national historic trail for the Buffalo Trace, um, but uh, uh, a national scenic recreation area uh, that, that focuses more on tourism and recreation uh, possibilities in the forest. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we've got a large public uh, outcry that is backing these ideas and are really for them, but we need a champion. Uh, we need uh, we need a uh, political champion that's going to go forward. So uh, if you like the ideas that you're hearing and, and you're reading about either on, on, on uh, IFA's website, Safe Hoosier National Forest website, uh, or Facebook groups, or through the news media, if you like these ideas, write to Todd Young, uh, write to Aaron, Aaron Bashan, uh, write to uh, Todd, or, or pardon me, Mike Braun. Uh, write to Gina Owens, the head of the Forest Service, and we can provide you with all of these names. Uh, we do have that on information on the web and tell them how you feel uh, about the future of our forest and how you feel it should be managed. Uh, because at this point, you know, the, it, it's pretty dire uh, thinking that we're going to have to spend thousands of dollars, uh, typically average of one of those cases around $170,000 um, to get them to take this to stop destroying our public forest. So. Anything else you uh, want to make sure people are aware of or uh, 
shout out um, the uh, websites or the keywords? Certainly, certainly. So if you look up Save Hoosier National Forest on Facebook, uh, you are going to find um, a public group there and you can ask any questions and we have a shared Google Drive where every scientific article we've been able to find, every historical document we've been able to find, uh, every um, documentation from the Forest Service has provided is accessible there to the general public. If the link is at the very bottom of the webpage of www.savehoosiernationalforest.com. Again, that's savehoosiernationalforest.com. And then IFA also, Indiana Forest Alliance, uh, has a Buffalo Springs page as well uh, that, that analyzes the project more in-depthly. Uh, and you can look into that as well. Um, and uh, you know, join, uh, put your email out there, uh, become a member of IFA. Uh, look at um, Heartwood is another one that shares a, a little bit broader information uh, regarding regional forest and what's going on around us, not just in our, our small Hoosier National Forest, but in, in, the, in the areas in Kentucky and Illinois around us. Uh, and, and add your email to where you can be updated, ask those questions and, and join us so that you can be well-informed. Uh, and we, that is, and if you, my email is stephenstewart at indianaforestalliance.org. That's Stephen Stewart with a V and Stewart, S-T-W-A-R-T, at indianaforestalliance.org, um, you know, send your question to me and I'll be more than happy to uh, forward that information on. If I don't have the answer for it, we'll be able to answer that for you. Uh, and I encourage people to call the Forest Service. Chris Thornton is the head ranger for the Hoosier National Forest. Kevin Amick is the project manager for uh, the uh, Buffalo Springs project. Um, Jeremy Koufax is the fire uh, specialist. Um, if you have questions regarding these activities and what studies have been done and, and what you know what's currently going on, call them and ask them. Uh, they're they've been they're very responsive actually. If you call them on the phone and talk to them, uh, if you can catch them in the office. Great. And is there uh, anything else going on with I, IFA um, that you're aware of? Certainly, we are. Uh, we're doing a hike series this year. Um, so, if you're interested in going into the outdoors, uh, we uh, we will be publicizing those here very shortly. The first one we're going to do is a wildflower uh, hike at McCormick's Creek State Park coming up this next month. Uh, we'll get that information out on our website, and and you know you can bring the, any questions you have about our public forest or any current activities going on in our public forest. Bring those questions there and there will be more than enough uh, uh, knowledgeable people there to answer your questions or at least direct you in the correct direction to get those questions answered. Uh, also, um, you know, I, I have four separate presentations that our group have put together on, on uh, varying topics related to the National Forest. And if you come, we have several presentations that if you would like our, our, uh, us to come and present to your organization, present to your group, uh, or, or just share the presentation with you, uh, we'd be more than happy to do so. Uh, I'm going somewhere tonight. It's going to be the third presentation I've done this week. Uh, you know, last week I had two. Uh, I've done three hikes in the last month. Uh, so, you know, I, we want to share as much. We want to answer questions. We want to join people in the forest. Uh, and, and we want to uh, make the public aware of what's going on around them. Uh, so that they can feel empowered uh, to have a say and really go in with a uh, well-informed, make good decisions rather than, well, I just don't know. You know, we want you to know. We want whatever your 
whatever you want to learn about, we're here to teach you. And we have we have a large enough uh, coalition and connections uh, to, to get any information that you need uh, to you. So. Yeah, that's a little different experience and some beautiful settings for people to have as spring comes on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And morels are just right around the corner. We're going to have one of those hikes too. So. And nobody wants to take you to the morel areas. We will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're going to blow the lid off of it. Yep, yep. <laughs> All my fungi friends are, like, getting ready to strangle me right now. I can hear them in the background. <laughs> yep, bringing in the interlopers. <laughs> well, uh, great. Uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, before we have any more technical issues here, um, we'll uh, try to, you know, pull as much as we can out of, out of this recording. and. Uh, It'll be uh, going on the air tomorrow for Eco Report during the uh, WFHB Spring Fun Drive. And then we'll be uh, also putting the extended form probably on TV and online. Very good. Very good. Very good. I look forward to those links and uh, being able to share those with the public and, and uh, getting to hear what you put together. Thank you so much. Um, and I will I will talk to Annie Mahler because uh, he's such he's so more eloquent than I. Uh, and, and such just a wealth of information and he can and uh, um, you know I, I try to get him in contact with you as well and he has had a lot of public interviews uh, that I can send links to so other people can listen to his speeches as well yeah I, I did talk to him and he uh, said that uh, he's got the zoom now but after a few minutes his camera goes weird or something mm. so I've suggested that he try to do it through his phone <laughs> all right excellent so yeah we'll be we'll be doing one with him for like interviewed me about interchange and yeah he's a wealth of uh lots of different kinds of things and uh kind of yeah i can bring a bring a lot of things together so um yeah you I'll go by alan uh zero you go by zero okay great yeah great. it's just my middle name used for facebook because they wouldn't let me use my pen name Excellent. Excellent. All right. All right. Zero, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll be in touch. All right. You have a wonderful day now.